Well, thank you for coming. Um, we've done a few of these this week, and so I'm glad that we were able to find some times that worked for people's schedules. So I'm Taylor Stone. I work in the Student Success Center. Um, and here with me is Miss Laura Brown, and she works in the Student Success Center as well. And we have been working on our new early alert system for retention. So we've been working on this all summer, kind of trying to get this set with the retention team. So we are ready to roll it out and get everyone using it um, so that we can get the most out of it. I'm going to look like someone was in our lobby there. Okay. Okay, so a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Your important role with retention, locating the retention system in the campus portal, navigating the dashboard, how to submit an early alert, creating an intervention, follow-up assignments, and defining results. When are we done? So everyone has an important role with retention, right? We always say retention is everyone's job. And it's so, so helpful for the whole institution when we have students who are admitted, they finish their first year, and then they come back again and persist all the way through graduation. And um, so that is why we work so hard to get the system up and running. And that's why we want so many people feeding into the system so that we can make it even more useful. A cool thing about our new retention software is that the more things that we give the software to kind of eat, <laughs> the better product that we can get from it. So it's going to be able to give us some predictions about different students, whether or not certain factors influence whether or not they'll come back. Um, and it kind of helps us make decisions early to keep students here instead of just reacting when they say that they're going to another school. Okay, so locating the retention software. So this is probably one of the best highlights because I think we were all pretty familiar with Starfish. Um, so you had to log in to MyNCWC, click a separate link, go to a different site. That is not the case with this new retention software. So it is located within a tab on MyNCWC. So you log into MyNCWC just like you always do, and it's the retention tab. When you log in, you'll see a dashboard. So this is kind of your starting point for everything you're going to do. So I'm going to log into mine and show you my dashboard. Okay, let me make sure I'm, I'm good and logged in here. Okay, so some of the things that I see you may not see, but don't panic. Um, it's just because I'm seeing all of the alerts for the whole campus. Um, so your numbers might not be the same numbers that I see. So that's normal. But this is your dashboard. So it's just three columns, two rows, and it helps you kind of see at a snapshot the things that you need to know. Okay, so up here in the left-hand corner, it says add action. You can submit an alert in an email, assign a follow-up. You might not see that button. Add intervention and add a note. Next, you see open alert. So these are all of the different alerts that have something to do with you. Um, so you're probably the advisor for a certain student, or maybe there's an alert that pertains to your class. You would see an open alert there. Then right beside that to the right, you see my follow-ups with some little footsteps. We'll talk more about those soon. Then below, it kind of gives you some stats for what's been going on. Some recent intervention numbers, recently closed alerts, recently closed follow-ups, 
Um, so if you see on my screen, we have quite a few alerts that we have been working through. So people are definitely feeding the system and um, we're working through a lot here. So So navigating the dashboard. So the actions that you're going to be worried about the most are submitting early alerts and interventions and then closing follow-ups. So you can navigate the dashboard a few different ways. Um, kind of with these softwares, you'll find that there are multiple ways to do the same thing. So however your brain is wired, whatever way makes sense to you and you'll remember, you can do it that way. And I'll show you what I mean. So if you're here within the dashboard and you say, okay, I'm on the main screen, I want to just click on submit alert and submit an alert this way. And you can go through, I'll explain those steps in just a moment, but let me go back and show you another way. So if you're also on the dashboard and you want to look at actions, you can look at alerts that way and see different alerts. If you want to go click on the students tab, you'll see a long list of students. You can start searching for a student. So I've typed in one of my student workers. I found that student. I could click add action and add an alert there. So there are multiple ways to do things. However you think about it, whatever makes sense, you can do it your way. So let's look at adding or submitting an alert. So I'm going to do it straight from the dashboard. I feel like that's the way that makes most sense to me. So I'm at the dashboard, upper left-hand corner. I want to submit an alert. So it's going to ask you a series of questions. The first one is who, is that, who am I submitting the alert as? Um, in some cases, if I have someone come to me and they just don't have time to get to a computer, they need an alert sent fast, I can go and submit it as someone else. So I would click choose someone else and find that person that I want to act as. But I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just going to submit this as myself. Then it says submit early alerts for and I can add the students. So something cool about this, if I want to add one student, I can. If I want to add a whole class, I can. One time I had a whole class decide that they were going to be late for my class because they wanted to go do the Wild Out Wednesday. So I could have submitted an entire alert for that class um, and saying that they needed to be a little bit more motivated maybe. But I'm just going to do one student here. So it says I can choose from all students or I can go and just choose from my advisees or I can just choose from the people in my College 103 class. So it's up to you which way you want to do this. So I'll say from my College 103 course. So it'll automatically populate a list of students in my class. So I'm just going to choose someone. Doesn't mean this person's done anything wrong. Um, so I chose the first person on that list. You'll see their name kind of evaporate. And down here at the right bottom corner, it says add one selected student. So I'm going to click on that. So now it says that I'm submitting an alert for that student. Your relationship to the selected student. So he is kind of two things for me. He's one of my students in my class, but he's also my advisee. If I'm submitting the alert about something that he did in class, then I'm going to put that I'm his instructor. So for this case, I would say faculty current. If I was doing something from an advising standpoint, I would say primary advisor. So I'm going to say faculty current. 
Now here's the list of types of concerns. So don't be overwhelmed by the list. You'll probably only use a few of these. Um, different people on campus will use more certain ones of these than others. Um, so the first one is academic attendance. That one's pretty, pretty clear if someone's not attending. If you haven't seen them for a day or two, um, you might want to submit an alert. General concern. If they're wearing headphones in your class and holding their head down, that might be something pretty general. Grade concerns. If you're worried that their midterm grades were pretty low and you just want to raise an alert, that might be a good one. Financial concerns. For the most part, you're not going to have to worry about these alerts. Um, they'll mainly come from financial aid. If they're missing documentation or if they might have a hold on their account, in those situations, we would use that alert. Personal disciplinary is mainly going to be used by the dean and students, um, but if you feel like something would need to go with that alert, you can always put that. Personal disengaged, if you notice a student is just kind of not plugged in, they need more support. Um, a lot of our um, coaches are using this alert if maybe a student decides to drop off of a team. We know that that's a big hook for students, so if they lose that, they might be disengaged. We get alerts for that. Medical and medical absence. For the most part, you'll be seeing these come to you as alerts for a student. Um, if they've been to see the PA on campus and they can't come to class or they have a certain situation, you might receive a medical alert saying, please excuse them from class. Mental and emotional health. So if you see a student is needing some extra support, they just don't seem the same. You think maybe they could, you know, use a touch from our campus counselor that might be a good alert to send. Student potentially not returning. So if you hear a student saying, hey, I'm going to East Carolina in the fall, go ahead and submit that alert so that the advisor can know um, here in the Student Success Center, we can know and we can try to get in touch with that student and get some things hopefully straightened out so that they can stay. And then there's personal other. So if you just have a situation and you're not sure where it falls, listed as other and we'll still get it. So for this case, I'm going to say that my student was not in class the past two class periods. Then it'll ask you the severity of the issue. So you know that it's high, moderate, low, or you're not sure. Um, so if he's missed several, that's pretty severe. I'm going to say high. And then I'm going to list some details about the concern. Um, so anything that I might want a retention manager to know, I might want an advisor to know, I'll list that here. Then the seventh question is, have you interacted with this student regarding this concern? So I'm going to say yes. If I've already talked to the student about this and they know something's up, I can go ahead and put this down. So how did you interact with the student? I've attempted to communicate my concern to the student, but was unsuccessful and didn't get a response. That happens a lot, right? Um, the second one, I've communicated my concern to the student, but he or she did not agree that it was an issue. I've communicated my concern to the student and he or she has plans to move forward. And then I've worked directly with the student to create a plan for overcoming this issue. So whichever one you feel most applies, check that one off. And then again, it asks for details about the intervention. So if you have any extra comments about what was said between the two of you, again, give details. The more that we feed this system, the more that we can do for the students, the greater the return we'll have um, in overall retention numbers. So I'm going to say I have attempted to communicate the concern, but 
my student didn't really seem to care. So then I would come down here and click this blue button that says submit early alert. So I'm not going to do this today um, because this student has actually been a really good student. So, but that is how you'll submit an alert. So you can just play around with this. If you want to practice, you can do the same thing I did. And when you get to the bottom, just hit cancel. Okay. The follow-up assignments. So what happens when someone submits an early alert? It comes through to the system and a retention manager sees it. So if you send an alert for someone in your class, I'm going to see that alert and I'm going to say, okay, there are a few people that need to see this and try to do something about this. And so usually I'll reach out to advisors, maybe their coach. Um, if I know they have a special relationship with like another faculty member on campus who speaks into their life, um, I might put them as a follow up. And so if you receive an email from rmsadmin at jenzabar.edu, it is not spam. It is a follow up assignment from one of the retention managers. So you'll see here, it just says view this follow up. You can just click on that link. It'll tell you the follow up details, the name of the student, the day it was assigned, who it was assigned to, maybe your relationship to that student, the concern type. So one of the things that was checked, um, relevant course if there is one, and then just a simple message saying, hey, can you follow up with this student? So let me show you what that looks like on the dashboard. Okay, so you'll see right here on the right hand column of the dashboard, it says my follow up and little footsteps. I have one that I need to work on. So I purposely left it open, even though I'm not supposed to, um, so that I could show you guys what one would look like. So I click on follow up assignments and I see here that I have one for academic attendance for a student. I see that it's been open for a day, so I need to get to work on this. So when you have a follow up, you can click on it and kind of read the same details that were in your email. And then what we are asking everyone to do if they receive a follow up is to try three times to contact the student. So if you need to see them in class or catch them in the cafeteria or send them a text, send them an email, call them on the phone, whatever it takes, try at least three times to get in touch with the student to address this issue. Once you've done that, if you were successful, even if you weren't, we're going to list it as what's called an intervention. So anytime that you do something for a student, you can list it as an intervention, even if it wasn't a very fruitful intervention. So I'm here within the follow up and on the right hand side, it says add a related action. So I'm going to click on this button and it'll say I can either email Trevor. That might be helpful. That might be one of the three ways that I try to contact him or I can add an intervention. So I'm going to click add an intervention. So it's going to ask kind of similar questions um, to what a follow up does. It's going to ask my relationship to Trevor. It's going to ask how did you interact? So did you try to communicate, but you were unsuccessful? Did you talk to the student, but they don't think it's a big deal? Um, have you communicated to the student and they have a plan? And then have you worked directly with the student? and they're ready to move forward, they have a plan, they're getting better, everything's gonna be fine. So I'm gonna say, yes, we've worked through it, we have a plan to move forward. I'm gonna list any details that I have. Um, so students is working to attend us more regularly. And then I'll add that intervention. So I'll click on that. So then 
one, it just takes me right back to the same follow-up here, and it's starting to list kind of like a record of everything that's happened with this student. So we keep scrolling down, we see different alerts that have happened, um, and then you see my most recent intervention. So it's pretty cool. It's a good way to kind of follow up and look back on everything that a student has been through. So once I've done that and I've listed my intervention, I've done all that I can, I'm going to close that follow up. So right here as I scroll down and there's a blue button that says close follow up, I'm going to close it. So now I've closed it. Um, if for some reason I click the button and I shouldn't have, I can always click the link to reopen the follow up. So this is kind of a crash course and what we expect you to do once you start getting alerts. So this is just the same thing in the PowerPoint slide um, that we're going to send everybody. Just the follow-up assignments, how you add an intervention, and what to do when you're assigned a follow-up. So you get the follow-up in your email. You check it on your dashboard. You try three times to talk to the student about the issue. Add an intervention and then close that door. Close that follow-up. And then we will have completed a whole loop with working with a student. If for any reason a follow-up stays open for seven days, the retention managers are constantly looking at this. Um, we're able to kind of filter the follow-ups, look at the amount of time they've been open. If it looks like it's been a while, about seven days, we're going to go ahead and close it. If it looks at like after a few days we need to open it back up again, we always can, but we don't want the system to get clogged up with just a ton of open alerts that no one is settling. Um, so I think this system is going to be great. Everyone's going to use it and we won't have to do that very often. So the thing to remember, I know I've already mentioned this, but as you're going through and you're closing alerts, it doesn't mean that an issue is completely resolved if we close an alert. It just means that we did our best to address it. And the more communication we can have um, as we document what's going on with students, the healthier this whole process will be. So don't feel like you have to fix everything about a student in order to close an alert or close a follow-up. So that is my crash course in the brand new retention software. Are there any questions or any things that you would like me to go back and do again or explain a little bit better? Taylor, this is Benny Fells. Can you hear me? I can. I just entered a, an alert for a student who um, has a hold from the business office. And it sends uh, in the open alerts, it sends that back to me, telling me that there is an open alert there. Uh, but in that box, and then you have my follow-ups on the right side. So my assumption is that when we get an alert, it just is an open alert. I, I'm assuming it would be what we enter, but it requires no follow-up. This is transmitting to an advisor who would then follow up. Is that correct? So depending depending on what type of alert you're you're submitting, there's a different group of um, people that will receive that copy. Um, depending, like if it's um, if they um, if it's a medical alert, um, Jessica might get it. Jessica Bryce Wilson, um, and then I'm guessing financial would go to somebody in financial aid. I'm not really sure because we haven't had one of those yet. Um, and if you're if you are a faculty member and the primary advisor, um, that one's always that one's one that has kind of stumped me a little bit. But I um, 
I try to, you know, call the, the student or email, but definitely call first. Well, I've talked to this student personally because he's in one of my classes. I'm not his advisor. Okay. Uh, but I was just checking out. Once I enter it, um, until I get a follow-up requirement, I just want to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a matter of follow-up. He and I have communicated twice about it. But uh, I'm assuming this goes to someone else because I don't have a follow-up that came through. So when when you when a faculty member sends an alert, they are not able to close it. So what I've been doing is, and whoever else is helping me, um, would assign a follow-up to the primary advisor and then close out the original alert. That puts it on the advisor to do the follow-ups because we assume they are the person that would, other than the faculty member, that would have the best access to that student. Um, and then if we're seeing a trend where there's multiple alerts, um, you know, I would step someone on, on the retention management side would step in and start making some phone calls and asking questions. OK, thank you. Mm -hmm. There's a question in the chat, and I think it's what we were talking about earlier. Um, their mic isn't working, so they want to know where where the list comes from of the students that they see, and they have returners but not players. And she said that her freshman and transfer students are the ones not showing. So, Does that make sense? <laughs> let's see. Let me see if I can pull mine up. So are we talking about if you're looking at your list of students, you're only seeing students that you've had over the past few years and not brand new freshmen or transfers that are new this year? Is that the case? If there's a student that has two advisors, I believe the first one listed is considered their primary advisor. Isn't that right, Taylor? Mm -hmm. So in in the situation that we're in where we have early college students and there's also a faculty advisor. Well, they they would have access to that or would we have access or would would we both? It's a good question. Well, what could be the case? Um, maybe in the case of athletics is that. I wonder if they've put in to Genzibar all of the brand new students and what team they're affiliated with. Because it might be pulling from Genzibar. I think I can hear you. OK, it's my computer, so I got it on my phone. When I'm plugged into my workstation, it doesn't let me talk. Okay. Um, so I'm technically here twice. It's my players, so I can see all my returners. Bracket put in a list. Or I can see them on EXI, but on here, I don't see my freshmen or my new transfer players. So, okay. so we'll probably have to talk to IS about what's happening because I think I think it's some kind of communication between Genzibar and knowing your correct list of students. Um, because there are some permissions, so some people see certain things that other people don't see um, in certain groups that they see that they don't see. Um, so I, I think that's probably what's going on here. So I'll I'll put that down for my list of IS questions.
there anything else? And this is this is new to all of us, so anybody that has a question, it, it does help us because um, we you guys might be experiencing something we haven't experienced yet. Okay, well, thank you all so much for joining us this afternoon and this has been recorded, so we'll be able to send it back out again um, if anyone needs to reference this later on um, and we'll have the PowerPoint slides and even a little handy handout for you um, on what you need to do. So thank you all so much and I hope you have a good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you.